0: Most kids resent a dad who's constantly pushing them. Let's go. But not Rick Hoyt. We can do this. For years, Rick has been
1: pushed, pulled, and carried by his dad, and he loves it. Here they come! That's because Rick, a wheelchair quadriplegic since birth, and his father, Dick, together have competed in over 65 marathons. So when you see Dick Hoyt pushing his son around, you're witnessing extraordinary devotion. Pass it on from the Foundation for a
2: Better Life at values.com. A few words for a successful life. Always ask why. Why? Tell the truth. All the time. Why? Write thank you notes. Eat right, sleep right. And exercise. If you don't like your job, change it. Why? Be creative every day. Take a fun trip. You don't always have to do things fast. These motivating thoughts from Randy Pausch's last lecture remind each of us to live our dreams. Can I go now? My dog wants to play. Oh yeah. Play with your dog. And with your kids. Motivation. Pass it on. From the Foundation for a Better Life at values.com Stitcher podcast, Google
0: podcast, YouTube, and more. Fox News's highly anticipated trial with Dominion voting systems, the voting machine maker that accused the network of spreading lies about the 2020 presidential election on its programs, ended before it began. In an unexpected twist in the courtroom on Tuesday, after jurors had been selected and opening statements delayed, Fox News agreed to a $787.5 million settlement. Dominion had been seeking $1.6 billion in damages. But even at less than half that amount, the settlement is still one of the largest ever in a defamation case. Though Fox did not apologize for its faucets, The company acknowledged in a statement that certain claims it made about Dominion were false. And Fox may face more consequences. The cable news network remains entangled in multiple legal battles, including a defamation suit from another election technology company, Smartmatic, which is seeking an even larger amount, $2.7 billion. Dominion also has other pending litigation against Rudolph W. Giuliani, and one American news network related to false claims of election fraud. A looming strike in Hollywood. Thousands of television and film writers are ready to walk on the picket lines if they can't reach an agreement with Hollywood's biggest studios by the end of the month. Last week, more than 9,000 of those writers, represented by the Writers Guild of America, voted to authorize a strike, giving union leaders the ability to call for a walkout when the writer's contract expires on May 1st. Writers say their pay and working conditions have not kept pace with the streaming era boom. The Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, a trade association that bargains on behalf of Hollywood production companies, said its goal was to reach a fair and reasonable agreement. In the meantime, Hollywood executives have begun to prepare for the possibility of a strike which would first disrupt late-night television shows and then scripted television. Tax Credit Confusion Cashing in on the federal tax credit's promised to buyers of electric vehicles became more complicated last week, when the Treasury Department placed additional limitations on which models qualify. Caveats released in August said vehicles and plug-in hybrids assembled outside North America were not eligible for the $7,500 credit. Now, A new policy from the department requires that a certain percentage of the components and minerals in a car's battery be sourced in the United States or from its trade allies. That means just 11 electric cars from a handful of automakers qualify for the full tax credit, while several others meet the standard for a partial $3,750 credit. The list of eligible vehicles is expected to grow as carmakers fine-tune their supply chains and catch up with demand. That could take a while, though. Automakers have been struggling to scale up their production because of problems with sourcing the materials they need. Checking in on a struggling bank Last month, 11 of the country's largest banks came together to inject $30 billion into First Republic, a mid-sized bank that teetered on the brink of collapse after the failures of two other banks had sent shockwaves through the banking sector. So, did it work? When the bank reports its quarterly earnings this week, analysts expect to see an enormous flight of deposits, that is, customers pulling their money from the bank, and losses. If there is no deal to sell a stake in First Republic or a plan to shepherd it through these hard times, its stock is likely to plummet and add to the pressure on the bank. Taking the economy's measure After satisfying one conventional definition of a recession last year, gross domestic product, A key measure of economic output in the United States returned to a period of growth, showing resilience in the face of a continuing pandemic, the war in Ukraine and stubborn inflation. But the durability of the economy was tested once again by the recent banking crisis, which some analysts believe may have put a dent in the country's recovery. Goldman Sachs last week lowered its GDP forecast for 2023 citing concerns that banks will tighten their lending standards in an effort to keep more cash on hand. Given the role that small and mid-sized banks play in the economy, Goldman's analysts said that reaction could be a drag on overall growth, which has already been affected by the Federal Reserve's efforts to slow inflation by raising interest rates. Big Tech's Report Card Tech companies like Meta and Alphabet are expected to put a positive spin on the bleak mood looming lately over the industry when they report quarterly earnings this week. Meta's report, for example, is likely to mention its latest plans to cut 10,000 jobs as it seeks to make 2023 the year of efficiency. In November, the social media company laid off more than 11,000 workers, or about 13% of its workforce at the time. And Alphabet, Google's parent company, last quarter reported its fourth consecutive decline in profits amid a slowdown in digital advertising. To soften potentially grim tidings, these companies and their rivals are likely to emphasize their new ventures in artificial intelligence.
1: Spurs have got rid of Christian Stellini. They have said this. Sunday's performance against Newcastle was wholly unacceptable. It was devastating to see. We can look at many reasons why it happened and why myself, Daniel Levy, the board, the coaches and players must all take collective responsibility. Ultimately, the responsibility is mine. Christian will leave his current role along with his coaching staff. Christian stepped in at a difficult point in our season and I want to thank him for the professional manner in which he and his coaching staff have conducted themselves during such a challenging time. We wish him and his staff well. Ryan Mason will take over head coach duties with immediate effect. Ryan knows the club and the players well. We shall update further on his coaching staff in due course. And this is more from Daniel Levy. I met with the player committee today. The squad is determined to pull together to ensure the strongest possible finish to the season. We are all clear we need to deliver performances which earn your amazing sport. So that from Daniel Levy. Let's go to our reporter Paul Gilmore who's been right across this throughout the day. And Paul, I guess, no surprise. No, Mike, no surprise at all. There was a massive inquest um, into what happened yesterday. It was embarrassing. It was humiliating. Uh, we heard, as you said there, uh, what Daniel Levy described that as uh, completely unacceptable. And, uh, you know, after a, a a long away trip, if you like, uh, going up to Newcastle, coming back down, usually maybe it's a bit of a later star for players. I know it's different this week with the Manchester United game to come. But many of the club's hierarchy, including Daniel Levy, came into the training ground just before 9 o'clock this morning. In fact, Daniel Levy was in even earlier. So that inquest was uh, was ready to go on. It was going to be fresh. And word came out that they were discussing the future of Christian Stellini and uh, Ryan Mason, uh, of course, now has stepped into that role to take on the end of the season. And what they were weighing up was uh, whether they felt that there was still a chance to salvage the season and whether Christian Stellini was still the man to oversee all of that. Ultimately, they have decided against that. Ryan Mason is the chosen one to step up and to take this game against Manchester United at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Thursday, quickly followed by a game at Anfield against Liverpool. Suddenly Tottenham win those two games, and hey, who knows what could happen, but certainly even the most optimistic Tottenham fan uh, will be thinking Champions League football looks unlikely, and uh, I think Daniel Levy acknowledged it in the statement about uh, all of the many reasons and for the board and the players and for him himself to take responsibility, but certainly in the short term, uh, they've taken the decision that they feel is right for... Uh, you know, to get the results immediately Uh, and uh, Tottenham have fallen six points behind the Champions League places uh, and, you know, there was there was no fight really amongst the players. That was the real concerning thing, as well for them to see. And he will clearly be hoping that Ryan Mason can get something from those players. Five 0 down after 21 minutes. Hugo Lloris saying afterwards there was a lack of aggression, a lack of pride, worrying things for the club captain to be coming out and saying. And he, uh, credit to you, Hugo Lloris, he always comes and fronts up on difficult issues such as that. But this, in the short term, uh, will uh, in uh, certainly they are hoping, will give them the best possible chance to salvage something from this season. Because if this was the season they were supposed to build on Champions League football last season, this was the season they were supposed to show the likes of Harry Kane, who of course has just over a year left on his contract, that they could match his ambition. He desperately wants to win trophies with this football club. Daniel Levy said recently he still can win trophies with this football club. Uh, well, at least until the end of the season, they're going to try and do all they can to get into next season's Champions League before a permanent appointment is made in the summer. Andreas Wickberg loves taking the snowmobile to his house in the icy reaches of Lapland. All four houses in his tiny arctic community rely on satellite internet for 500 krona a month, about 50 bucks. Wickberg and his wife can hole up at home with a satellite internet connection fast enough to do work calls by day and stream movies by night. On the morning of February 24, 2022, he turned on his computer and gulped down the news that Russian President Vladimir Putin had begun an invasion of Ukraine. A little while later, his neighbor came round asking to borrow his Wi-Fi code, saying their internet connection had dropped. Wickberg shared the code and kept going at work. Ten minutes later, his connection dropped too. He checked. All four modem lights were off. That meant it was no longer communicating with a hulking great geostationary satellite that beams down 82 individual spots across Europe and northern Africa, more than 20,000 miles above him in the sky. It turned out his was one tiny part of the biggest public outage of satellite internet ever recorded. More than 45,000 modems had to be replaced, yet it would take 35 days for the global communications company affected, Viasat, to even begin to say what it thought had happened, and 75 days for any country to point the finger officially. Back on Earth, Wickberg knew instantly what had happened. It had to be Russia. A few hours earlier and several time zones away on an overcast evening in Austin, Texas, a senior Viasat official settled in at home for the night. Automated alerts suddenly started pinging, indicating abnormal activity in Ukraine. Modems across much of Europe were unable to make an internet connection. Viasat workers tried to force offline modems that seemed overwhelmed by malicious traffic, but more kept coming. They were playing satellite modem whack-a-mole. The real target was more than a thousand miles and half a continent away from Andreas Wickberg's Lapland hideaway. Satellite communications that Ukraine's government, army, and intelligence rely on were down. This catastrophic communications loss hampered their defenses. Backup came later in the form of Elon Musk's Starlink terminals. These were game-changing, but they left the country reliant on support from an erratic billionaire. The debilitating Ukraine hack was also a wake-up call to the commercial satellite industry. Almost all of daily life turns on satellites, even time. Commercial satellites determine GPS coordinates that underpin digital clocks and cash machines. Space is playing an even bigger role in homes, transport, food supply, military operations, banking and communications. The risks are only set to rise. Today, there are close to 5,000 active satellites on orbit. In the next 10 years, that number could hit 100,000. While Andreas Wickberg waited on one of the 45,000-plus replacement modems Viasat was busy sending out, he decided to mail a faulty one to an expert. A week later, Ruben Santamata opened the package, thrilled. A leading light in a very small global band of cybersecurity researchers who are obsessed with satellite systems, Santamata immediately pulled the modem apart and dumped what's called the flash memory. That's the part of the device that stores key rewritable data. In place of a series of word strings and numbers common to code in working modems, he found orderly repetition. Far from a temporary glitch, the destructive pattern indicated a malware attack. Viasat admitted the attack was preventable, but said they hadn't had the capability to stop it. An attacker, they said, had exploited a misconfiguration in a virtual private network appliance via a ground-based network intrusion to gain remote access to a trusted management segment of the KSAT network. In other words, they got hacked pretty bad. It took four weeks for the U.S. intelligence community to conclude Russia's military intelligence unit, the GRU, carried out the attack. The U.S. then embarked on a six-week, quiet diplomatic campaign to publicly blame it on Russia, an unusual step that made some European countries, including France and Germany, nervous in case it made things worse. But the argument went that this was the most important cyber attack of the Russian invasion, one no one who subscribed to the service could do anything to stop, and one that could happen again. Eventually, the European Union went public, with the U.S. careful to go second, an effort to send a signal to Russia that everyone was united. The final frontier is still vastly underprepared for cyber attacks. Commercial satellite companies are still too lax when it comes to security, and some government satellite systems were built 30, 40 years ago, making them especially vulnerable. Starlink's Ukraine service has already faced attacks of their own, and Vyasao says it faces ongoing threats. Russia has publicly warned since the invasion it sees some commercial satellites as legitimate targets for retaliation. The US intelligence community says Moscow will seek weapons that can identify, track and target US satellites at speed during a conflict. And the attack, say experts, is super, super repeatable.